Our scripture reading today is one of the lectionary readings for this day, the Sunday before Pentecost. The reading comes from the book of the Acts of the Apostles, and I'm reading from chapter 1, beginning with the sixth verse. So when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? And he replied, it's not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took Jesus out of their sight. And while he was going and they were gazing up towards the heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. Earlier this spring, I got a telephone call from Colonel Steve Flaherty. Steve Flaherty is the superintendent of the Virginia State Police. When you get a call like that, it makes you a little nervous. I knew Steve Flaherty in some of the crisis moments in Blacksburg. I have not been in touch with him, but he called me earlier this spring to invite me to be the keynote speaker at their annual memorial service. This event, their annual memorial service, took place 10 days ago on the extensive campus of the police state headquarters out on Midlothian Turnpike. It's an annual occasion to remember the state troopers who have died in the line of duty serving in our commonwealth. Across the years, as you might guess, the number of state troopers who have died in the line of duty has gotten to be quite surprisingly large. So this memorial service remains an annual event that's very important to the agency and to the families and to our commonwealth. The state police promise never to forget those who have served and those who have given their lives for the safety and well-being of Virginia the family of Mark Barrett, his young wife, his two elementary school-aged children sat on the front row. They were there because Mark, the most recent tragedy in the state police, died last fall. He lives in Chesterfield County, and the room was filled with family members who've lost loved ones serving in the line of duty. Ginger attended this event with me. Ginger's comment was she's never seen so many police cars and so many policemen in one spot ever in her life. Indeed, officers have come to this, uh, came to this from every part of the state, and there were 
uh, a full room, standing room only in attendance with officers lining the walls and the families of those who've died in the line of duty filling the major part of this space. This was also one of those unusually hot days that we've had recently and the air conditioning system in the building couldn't handle the crowds and the heat on that occasion. But it was an honor for me to speak, though a difficult challenge. I wanted to speak some words of care and comfort, especially to families who continue to grieve their lost loved ones, and especially to officers whose line of work is always complicated and dangerous in our violent society. When some of us think of the Virginia State Police, we envision perhaps mostly that blue-gray vehicle that roams the highways and passes out speeding tickets. That's part of the state trooper job description. That may not put state troopers in the best light in some of our minds. No one likes speeding tickets. But ultimately, the state police really have one mission, to provide for safety to provide for security for the people of the Commonwealth. And each officer in the state police swears an oath to protect and to serve. Their goal, then, is to do good, to do good in the Commonwealth. Yet the very occasion of a memorial service indicates, as we all know in the rest of life, that our efforts to bring about good don't always bring about good. In fact, efforts to bring about good sometimes lead to accidents, sometimes lead to shootings, sometimes lead to tragedy and death of good officers. And far too many officers have died in the line of duty, leaving sad and grieving family members and a solemn service every year for the state police agency. My comments wanted to offer brief words of comfort to that occasion. My comments wanted to express my sincere appreciation for the excellence and effectiveness that I've come to know personally from the state police. My comments wanted to speak words about loss, how loss is real and loss is hurtful, but loss is never too much for God. God's love enfolds our grief, even our wailing, even our laments. God can deal with it. And three, I wanted to speak about events, events that create loss. A tragedy, an accident, a shooting are never isolated events. How we live from that event is also part of that event and always affects the meaning and the significance of that event. The way you and I respond to events always affects the meaning and the significance of the event. The way you and I respond to events, especially events of deep loss and pain, can make the total event even worse. For example, if loss only leads to self-pity and anger, if loss only leads to addictions and alcoholism, if loss only or mostly leads to hatred and vengeance, 
then the total event is the worst. It matters how we respond to the events of our lives. For me, this reflection today is appropriate as we think about the text from Acts chapter 1, which is called the Ascension of Jesus. As the Creed affirms, He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God. As the story tells it, one minute Jesus is there with the disciples, and another minute He's not there. The disciples are looking up into a blank sky, hence the question, why are you standing there looking up into the sky for Jesus? Well, what's going on in this story? Where is Jesus? The text is offering us a spatial and graphic image that's trying to make a significant point for those disciples' lives, for our lives. The passage attempts to depict what we know to be true. Jesus, who appeared in the flesh, was born of a human mother. He ate, he drank, he slept at night, He walked the dusty roads of Galilee. He knew his disciples. They knew him. He was a teacher. He was a healer. He loved people. He got angry with people sometimes. He wept. He suffered. He lived. He died. He was full human. But he was not merely human. He was also fully God. He came from God. Very God from very God, begotten, not made. That's how another creed articulates it. He was, as John says, the Word become flesh. So, like an astronaut shedding his bulky spacesuit after two weeks at the space station and coming home to hug his family, or like a river flowing to the sea, Jesus in the ascension, finds his way back to God. Home at last. Whole at last. That is what our passage wants to depict for us. Here's what the New Catechism says about the ascension. The ascension means that Jesus Christ is risen to rule the world as its loving Lord, and Jesus is present with us at all times and in all places, in his loving power. So what the ascension depicts is this. While Jesus' earthly ministry is over, while he no longer literally walks the dusty roads and no longer is physically among us, as he was with his disciples, his departure, though baffling to the disciples at first, is exactly what's needed. So that the disciples could carry on Jesus' work in new bodies, in their bodies, so that we can do it in our bodies, carry on the work of Jesus. I love the way St. Augustine puts it, and he said this many hundreds of years ago, you ascended from before our eyes, and we turned back grieving, only to find you in our hearts. You ascended before our very eyes and we turned back grieving only to find Jesus right in our hearts and right among us. 
So with the ascension, the earthly life of Jesus is over, and therefore Jesus can reign everywhere. With the ascension, Jesus is no longer in our midst, literally, so that Jesus can be in our midst always and everywhere. Where's Jesus? Where is he? He's gone from physical presence, but reigning forever in God's almighty plan. Where is Jesus? Not only a teacher and a preacher with good stories and parables that help us see God, Jesus is actually present everywhere. In every face we meet, in love and light that we share and work for, even in the hard moments of a memorial service where hearts are breaking and children are trying to grow up without their father. Jesus is present. Where's Jesus? In the healing and hope wherever it might emerge. In all the work that points to the presence and reign of God. In the church, in the city, in the world. With the, with the ascension, as the great poet Gerard Manley Hopkins puts it, for Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in eyes and lovely in limbs, not his. With the ascension, then, our calling is to see and our calling is to sense Jesus in all the moments of our lives and so much trust Jesus' presence and keep working for Jesus' purposes. So what Jesus taught to a few fishermen, a few disciples, healing and grace and teaching and good news of God's love to the world, we, we, we as God's people are to carry that same message of healing and hope into the city and into the world also. That's the challenge. That's the challenge of the ascension, the great commission, if you want to go and read it again. Be witnesses to the ends of the earth, Jerusalem and Judea and everywhere. Propagation by the dandelion method. Go, spread Prosper, propagation of the good news of love and light by the dandelion method so that Christ's presence can be known in every moment of life and Christ's reign can emerge in every circumstance. God's people have not always done that so well. We haven't. The church has not always embodied God's love and peace the church has not always seen it in the face of every person. We haven't done it too well. We're a fumbling, wandering, struggling bunch so much of the time. But the promise is strong. And the promise is true. I'll be with you and I'll give you power. Go. Be my witnesses. So where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Because of the ascension... Jesus is more visibly present and more powerfully at work bringing grace and healing and love and light everywhere. Jesus is present when we gather around each other and share our heartache and seek to support one another in our deepest pain. Where is Jesus? Jesus is present when families hold hands around the table and say grace. Where is Jesus? Jesus is present when congregations sing and 
seek to serve in the city when congregations seek to welcome all God's people, irregardless, welcome all into work and worship and leadership in God's kingdom. Where is Jesus? Jesus is present whenever tears flow as we grieve the loss of loved ones. When we sit at the bedside of ailing others, where is Jesus? Jesus is present when our hearts go out to people in need. When we offer our sincere prayers and our committed actions for peace in the city and peace in the commonwealth and peace in the world. Jesus is present whenever flowers are inserted in tanks. When people pray for those on death row, whenever we stand up for justice, that's where Jesus is. Where is Jesus? Jesus is present when we seek to become, you and I, more and more the people God calls us to be, throwing off our selfishness, putting aside our sinful ways, and putting on love, and embodying hope and light and striving for reconciliation and redemption all around our world. See, the ascension tells us that Jesus is not just a good teacher. Jesus is not just a strong prophet. Jesus is truly Emmanuel, who in ways that he could never be before, always with us, giving us power, giving us grace to live as God's people in love and service wherever we find ourselves, wherever we find ourselves. Where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? You know what? We're often wondering about that question. Where is Jesus? But we have it spoken again today. They're looking up, the disciples, where is Jesus? Wondering where he is. Jesus is in your midst. Jesus is there with you in love and in power, hosting us around this table, inviting us to come, sending us out into the world, going with us, saying, be my witnesses, share God's light, do God's work, work for God's peace. That's where Jesus is. Keep at it. Keep going. Keep doing. And God is with us. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. We believe, O God, help our unbelief and move us to deep commitment and care, faith, love, and service following Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.